welcome to the season three finale <laughs> of the One Inch Barrier. I am your host, Juan Carlos Ojano. I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy and staying at home and staying sane. That's so important. So, like I said, this is the season three finale, the last episode of 2020. We're saying goodbye to this roller coaster of a year. Um, but before we continue... Uh, the Patreon page is up, so as low as $2 a month, you can support this podcast already, and um, it would really mean a lot to me. So, for this episode, we're going to talk about the film that won Best Foreign Language Film at the 63rd Academy Awards. That film is Journey of Hope, or in its original language, in German, Reise der Hoffnung, in Turkish, Umuda Yolkuluk, co-written and directed by Xavier Kole. So this was Switzerland's second win and fifth nomination. So this film is about a Turkish man named Haydar who has decided to pursue migrating to Switzerland in hopes of a better life after hearing from his cousin that is already in Switzerland. Um, he takes with him his reluctant wife, Miriam, with, and um, they're supposed to leave their seven children with his parents. But Haydar's father convinces him to take at least one child with them to the trip. So he takes the frequently restless and reckless Mehmet Ali with them. So the three travel from Switzerland, uh, from Turkey to Switzerland, but the journey is not smooth because they were passed on from stranger to stranger on their way to reach their goal of Switzerland. So Argus for this episode is from the Philippines. She is a filmmaker. Uh, she's the filmmaker of the film Judy Free. That was funded by Q Cinema International Film Festival, and it it had its international premiere at the thirty first Singapore International Film Festival, and was nominated for Best Short Film at the forty third Gaudurian. Please welcome my former um, love team, Miss <laughs> um, Cheta Gamon. Hey, hi guys! Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Wow, thank you so much for coming. This is woo, this is great. Um, how are you been? How are you how are you been? How have you been? Okay, I'm okay. I'm staying sane and healthy. Trying to stay sane and healthy during this pandemic. Yeah, that's what matters. And uh, like I said a while ago, we are a former love team for a short film. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway it's so happy to see you again and uh yeah so and we're we were org mates and we we made films at the same time so it's always happy to see i'm always happy to see a colleague <gasps> colleague. colleague so yeah this is just <laughs> joyful 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 so um can you tell our listeners where can they find you on the internet mm, you can find me mostly on mobile legends <laughs> 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 uh, you may find some of my shorts already uploaded online some are on Feedsy and YouTube uh, they're called uh, Grand Maloling so, um, but you may also check out my personal Instagram page I try to upload some of my works in progress there <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Yay! I just want to say before we get started that your short film Grandma Lolling, it's still one of the most, I don't know, most intense eight moments of watching a film. Wow! Um, it's, it really is a gut punch. 
Um, and I'm so happy to to call you my what? My what? My colleague <laughs> again. <laughs> and yeah, and thank you. I wanna cry. <laughs> yeah. So 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 so. Let's get started. Um, Journey of Hope. What do you think of this film? Hmm. It is literally. <laughs> it is a literal road film. <laughs> Most of it. Um. I mean, it is an intense ride. Oh, fun intended. Um, <laughs> but most of the time, yeah. Uh, it started <laughs> for me. Um, I'm still uh, still call this. I'm still trying to reel in from watching it. I just watched it this week, and I have you know fifty fifty feelings over it. Yeah, I like. I like most of the part that when I think about what it wants to say and how it delivered on that aspect uh, on the period, uh, I'm quite unsure about it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you want to start? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, 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 at first, I want to say that I have rewatched it a while ago because I watched it nine days ago and uh, in between, uh, I watched a full season of The Crown, so that took my whole <laughs> week. So I had to rewatch it. And um, I, before I ask you some things about what you said, I also want to say that it is, I think, quite an engaging ride. Um, I mm. think, I think it's quite moving despite its uh, simplicity. And I don't know if mm. that simplicity um, works in its favor because I think it had such a it had mm. such a I don't know a, a, I think it's well intentioned in terms of like what it wants to say but I don't think the film is really quite as complex as we I would want it to be since it is tackling a very political uh, experience which is the illegal mm. migration and right. um, you know those clashing of like like thinking of Thinking of, I mean, it's it's weird to say uh, of the West um, because Turkey is just near Switzerland, but that clashing of like the first world yeah. country and um, the desire to move to a country, I think that is a very uh, all-encompassing thing. Um, and then I mm. do think the film uh, really relied on the emotional um emotional engagement as audience as for us as audience that it had a tendency to mm. paint the story in broad strokes um i do want to ask what you said a while ago is that uh, you were kind of 50 50 with the film um can you expound on that because yeah i want to hear that yeah that's because uh Maybe coming from a personal uh, point of view, uh, uh, as Filipinos, I think we have a lot of say on these kinds of movies. I've been, I've been exposed to this topic for such a long time, from the beginning of the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
have one subgenre of no. film, so like about that experience of yeah. Filipinos going abroad for work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, diaspora and topics about illegal migration is nothing sort of new to us. And then uh, my father and most of uh, I know a lot of uh, Filipino relatives who have undergone uh, illegal migration. And they also went to Italy. <laughs> One of it is my father. <laughs> and actually, he went on a kind of same journey as the protagonist of the film. As in, we call it TNT here, right? Yes. But he, he was also an illegal migrant. Yeah. Just for he con- went yeah. there. Quick context, TNT means tago ng tago or always hiding. <laughs> Literal translation. Go ahead. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah, I was about to say hide and hide. Hide and hide. Anyway, um, some of the what the characters went through, my uh, my father also went through. Like he first went to, uh, he first went as a, kind of different. He first went as a tourist uh, in Malta, somewhere in Italy, and then he went to. They passed the border in Switzerland. In the mountainous area too, but not the same conditions as portrayed in the film. And then that's when he went to this kind of reverse. In the film, they went to Milan first, then to Switzerland, right? My father, he went to Switzerland first. <laughs> I think he's not gonna be jailed because it took a long time ago. So yeah, I am <laughs> exposing you Is to the world. There? <laughs> yeah, he's oh, still wow. there, but he's now uh, a legal. Uh, citizen. Yay! Anyway, so yeah, I think what makes me 50-50, what, what, make me, what makes me feel 50-50 about it is I like the journey. I like most of it. But I thought I was gonna get uh, a new insight from it. But at the end, I thought it was, uh, it became a little too, I know where it's going already at some point. I know the child's gonna die. I know. I felt that the child's gonna die. I felt that I don't know. I'm just expecting a little bit more of a new insight. But maybe, maybe it's not the film's point. Maybe the journey is the film's point, and that not uh, adding another insight. And maybe also that we're just too exposed to the same narrative. I think as Filipinos. Yeah. Um. Well, it's 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 really um difficult to separate that. I agree. Um. I was, I was, I was thinking. I, I would admit that when I was watching this film, I think I thought I didn't think of our own experience, <laughs> um, because mm-hmm. um you know of course we we had uh, millions of um, undocumented uh, Filipinos in many parts of the world, but um this specific. Um, experience of like crossing the border kind of thing. Uh, mm. It's impossible here <laughs> because we're surrounded by water. Except mm. if you're gonna go to Malaysia, um, mm-hmm. I was thinking actually of like the African refugee crisis in the Mediterranean Sea, um, mm. where people are clamoring to to escape the different levels of turmoil in Africa to to Europe and that the tough journey that it is, um, I, I did not 
over, uh, foresee the death of a child, but he was a really reckless kid, so like that's what you got. <laughs> um, but sometimes I had this feeling that when I was watching the film, do you think the film is sanitized? That yeah, mm, yeah. yeah, because oh, maybe that's why. I, I forgot to say this, but though, yeah, it affects that it is lensed from quote-unquote a Western perspective because it's a really sensitive, sensitive topic to cover the migration, illegal to cover illegal migration topics. But I, I think they, uh, they did a good job, but it's still, yeah, it still feels sanitized at some point. Like the white people are, <laughs> Can I say yes, this? <laughs> Just no, no, no. Are... Let's go, white people. <laughs> yes, some uh, most of the Caucasian guys are portrayed as the good ones, right? And the Turkish ones, ironically, are you know, yeah, the what do you call that? Um, suspicious. The suspicious and cunning ones. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, it's uh, it's a point. It's one of the points of the film that sometimes uh, your fellow your neighbors from the same country won't, uh, are not much of a help than the white guy so that one feels sanitized or I think are you guys trying to make a point about white man's savior I don't know yeah I, <laughs> I did not think of them as Turkish <laughs> oh my gosh uh, as they were Turkish yeah the ones in uh, Milan yeah and the one that brought them to the mountain which is yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah as opposed to the characters that who are you know the driver yeah. the good driver yeah the driver that um i think the that was a that was a good character in a sense that i think that subverted expectations i don't know if your experience ah, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I first thought oh my gosh this is it and then suddenly that driver became probably the ones that cared the most about them um took mm. photos with them cared about the kid and in the end visited the protagonist when he was jailed um i did not notice mm. that i am so sorry but <laughs> um mm-hmm. I, yeah i think the film i'm not sure where it stands on this i think it just mm. Hmm. In a sense, I think the film wants us to feel empathy for these characters and for these human beings that are going through this ordeal or um, they feel they need to go through this ordeal because of aspiring for a better life and that would mean endangering themselves. I think that's the, that's, that's, that's the easy part. We, we empathize with those. Mm-hmm. How, however flawed these characters are, that's it's easy to empathize, especially when they have a kid that's part of their liability um, and their yeah. safety. But I emerged after the film. What did it want to say about this crisis? Yeah. This is a crisis, yeah. and um, and it's intensifying. And this this has been a long-standing crisis. The fact that people from one country feel the need to move mm. 
what at what at all costs just to have a better life. That's a long-standing thing and it's intensifying. But in this one, I just felt, then what? What are we trying mm, yeah. to say about this experience? Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. Yeah, but I do think that uh, the film... Because it's more matter of fact, I think that's that's what it, that's what it got. Um, instead of becoming this multi-layered study of this experience, it was really matter of fact. You see the family transferred from one place to another, and that is the film's strength. Is that it's it's probably a bit sanitized. I think I I cannot imagine the experience that's going there, but the fact that it didn't embellish those moments and I think it was very it is what it is and I think that's one of the strengths of the film yeah I agree I think the like what I said a while ago uh, I really like the journey part but the conclusion is a bit muddy but the journey it it had a lot of good moments like they set up the countryside I really climb and setting up rituals, capturing those moments before leaving, and then up until, you know, meeting some of some characters. I, I also like the characters, some of the characters, like the one who prays a lot and tells that he is not, he is not, uh, what do you call that? Lots of ironies in the plot going on. Yeah. Can you expand on what do you think of that? Um, because I think the first 20, thir- I think mm. the first 20 minutes of the film is just the family, especially Haidar. Hi- like, mm. it's just a cons- it's just a sequence of actions of, of his preparation um, to leave and his arguments with his wife. Uh, what did you think of that section of the film with the, in Turkey, set in Turkey? Mm, at first, I thought it was, you know, it set up the mood nicely. Like, you paint this kind of, like, tough-looking guy, and then later on, you figure out that, yeah, he has a soft spot. He's not, he's not that beauty yet, after all. It kind of builds up the character, so you'll root more for them. And they set up the, in the first 20 minutes, I think they set up the mood nicely um how they painted the the film was wonderfully shot set up setting up the idyllic life that you know when it's shot on film it looks beautiful even if they're toiling so hard in the countryside right and you know showing their culture and whatnot like um setting up the child's you know what they call the child? Their devilish yeah. Their devil, yeah. Setting up the suspense yeah. at the first five minutes at the train sequence. I really like that. And, you know, they've set up these uh, characters and it looks so stern at first, but when they added the child, it, uh, it, it gave this charming factor that, oh, maybe this won't, this won't be a bad journey after all. Maybe it's really a journey of hope <laughs> haha we know that how that turned out <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i guess i was thinking of that i think the first 
those those moments in Turkey, it 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 was it it almost felt like a clockwork. I think there's a clockwork pacing there. Like you've, it's almost relentless mm-hmm. in a way that you know that the film is kind of hurrying up to go somewhere, and mm, yeah. um, it's. I just noticed it's fine. It worked um, because I do think that with um, once they start a journey, then the film paces itself more uh, more confidently. Like, like let's, we stop here, we we move faster here. I think the the, the pacing is more mm-hmm. um, dynamic in the next parts of the film. But the first twenty minutes, it's it's you feel the rush. The urgency mm. of the film to get to the interesting part and to the urgency of Haidar to leave Turkey. Um, mm. It's just something I noticed that those first 20 minutes are kind of tense, even even excluding the film. So I think there were moments where, in terms of like the editing, some of the some of the scenes are like, oh. We're already in the next scene. Okay, wow. <laughs> you know, it's really next scene, next scene, next scene, next scene, next scene. So it's like a sequence of events that led to the journey itself, which is the focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's unpack those moments first um, in Turkey and we will take a journey <laughs> to, um, yeah. Um, I do like the fact that um, the film grounded its story of immigration in the immediate effects in the family. Um, And the characters were handling it very practically in a sense that, oh, I would not leave my child. Oh, uh, the the oldest daughter would, oh, you're going to be the substitute substitute mother. Oh, I would take care of your child. No, bring one child. I think those nitty-gritty of like what happens in the family when this kind of experience happens... Um, I also came from a family where, um, my, in my, my mom, um, there are three sisters. My mom is the only one who did not work abroad. Two of them worked. Um, and I am in a room that's, that's previously, um, from my cousin who's half Japanese. So there are Japanese writings on the wall. (laughs) And like, so that, that knowingness of like how family works when there's someone leaving, we're kind of familiar with that as well. Uh, what did you think of that family dynamic that was established in the Turkey sequence, Turkey chapter? I thought that it was really interesting how they set that family up. Like the kids are not, the kids are not. Oh, just to compare, I think if it's shot in the Philippines in a stereotypical way, I think they'll make it uh, emotional uh, the kids too emotional and too attached but then but then they're they've set up that uh turkish family um matter of fact the the seven kids are all right whether their father lives or not not too much emotional attachment as shown in the first few minutes they're just happy and with the bribes with the you know the chocolates and the what do you call that the, the new jewelry and it's very what, what they call it it's very transactional that um i think they've set it up so it runs as a theme in the film like a series of transactions will go on further and further yeah. 
yeah, like from the family and to the strangers, it's all just a series of transactions that they had to yeah. do um, to make this work. Um, yeah. Also, there, I think the... I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I think the way the characters put primacy on the father figure or like the patriarchal figure in is so strong here. Because, um, you know, there is this... Um, of course, Haidar is stubborn. <laughs> and and it's like it's his choice always that will be followed. And I think their discussion I think Sifam touches on um masculinity at some points and then the push and pull between yeah. the father and the mother. Um, you know, because the father is just in it, but the mother is thinking of the children and the father is just thinking of mm-hmm. I think they're both thinking of what's better for their families, just that their priorities are different. But that primacy yeah. on what the man says or the man would dominate and the fact that when the grandfather said you should take at least one child so you can establish it, like, the yeah. roots there in European and like and like um, I don't know the purpose of having a child in Europe also like I don't mm. know it's like an investment, an investment. <laughs> it's the boy no matter how reckless that boy is it's the boy that will be um, they they put their trust um, on that boy Um yeah, I'm not sure if that's intentional or not, but I think it's really striking mm. at some points. I agree. And yeah, that that one um strike a chord, strike a chord in me. Like the when it's the mother who wants to carry one child, carry at least one child, but when the father says it, no, his fa- the father's father, the protagonist's father says it. That's when he agrees. It's a good character. It's a good build-up for the character. And, you know, it puts more guilt on the father's side. At the end, it, it builds up nicely. To that. Yeah, because that choice would be so consequential in the end. Um, where yeah. he is held accountable for... All the choices that the death of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> no, we're all spoilers here. We talk about twists and turns in this place. <laughs> but I do want to highlight this one not even interesting, weird thing that I found out. What did you think of that daughter? I mean, I just noticed that when his father was changing clothes, he peeked on the window. I don't know. Is there a problem there? Or was it just me and my dirty mind? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I watched, I thought it was weird. But then it's gone. It's so fleeting. Yeah, it's so it's fleeting. Like a split second. Why do you have to put it there? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's not even like, it was not even like put into a close-up. I think it's just the daughter peeked on the window um wide shot <laughs> and then we mm. see the father seeing the child medium shot and then the daughter mm. leaves back to the semi wide shot medium wide shot so and then the father tells her that she would be like the substitute mother yeah i don't and he tells yeah. that she's good enough to marry and she's old enough to marry there's right? something there <laughs> Yeah. I don't know a cultural nuance that we don't know there's something there <laughs> to mind but uh, you know the film never really went there um, 
and of course, I, th- I think it's it would be remiss to separate the fact that it's such a such a patriarchal um, setup that they had in the film with the fact that um, of their faith um, mm. and how that their faith really dictates uh, primacy or like the imp- or importance to the man, the man's choice, the man's decisions, the man's and uh, yeah, it just it is a it's a characterization that works and I think mm. it pays off uh, effectively uh, to the rest of the film. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's a choice that they have yeah. to make like <laughs> Yeah, you talk about this big, big, big issue of migration, but you focus on this one super small family unit. And of course, to reflect on the big issue you. I do want to, another thing from that chapter is the postcard. They received a postcard from their cousin that is already in Switzerland, and it's like a picture of a mountain and fields. And they thought like, oh, the cousin has a better life already, and we should follow that and emulate that. And that mm. postcard like was that their beacon of hope. They carried that along because they were thinking of going there, of achieving that. Um, but I don't know. The 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 goat. I think the goat or the sheep <laughs> yeah, ate yeah. the postcard. Maybe the goat had an idea that this is not. That's not what it's yeah. Like. Uh, but um, yeah, that postcard really fought is really with them the whole time. And ultimately, that postcard and its content becomes um, valuable in the sense that that, that's also, you know, their hope is slowly turning against them because they thought, oh, the cousin is doing so well. And then when they're already in the middle of the journey, they found out that the the cousin is in the house of refugees and the cousin doesn't have a permit. So this is artifice, this idea of, the West, or in this case, Switzerland, as an aspiration, as a place for a better life, um, it's quite um, stupid to pin your hope on something that you don't really know. And that blind desire, unfortunately, is what kept them going. And that's not an isolated thing. I think going back to our experience of Filipinos, we, we have a thinking like... Um, we, you know, we before Filipinos were crazy about Korea. Uh, we were crazy <laughs> around the United States. Like, if you go to the United States, that's the land of like um, greener pastures, American honey, and yeah. you're rich when you go there. American, American dream. dream. But when you look at America, it's not mm. really the greener pasture that everyone that 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 is available for everyone. But because yeah. of our current of our condition here, we have this I don't know, uh, blind hope, or like willing mm. to gamble for that idea of a better life. Yeah, I think the postcard. I really really like how they use that as an object, as a as a, as a symbol, like something so you know as a this normal person a postcard is and uh, it looks like an illusion of a place like you know the postcards they used to beautify such places 
and literally the family is holding that image that fake image in their hands and in their heads yeah they and didn't really want to go there yeah so yeah what we said earlier that maybe the goat knew at some point <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> yeah and what an interesting thing that they were hope their hope was with this photo of a mountain yeah. and it's the mountain that made them realize that yeah oh brainy yeah. <laughs> <Found Wow. out. laughs> brainy moment <laughs> uh, has a lot of, lots of ironies that work yeah and that yeah, the film had a lot of like small details that go back you know it's not just mm, yeah i think it's it really tried to a lot of like full circle moments with its details mm. and characterization and all that yeah, even from the start like sacrificing that is it a lamb or a sheep and then sacrificing their son such things that thing yeah thematic themes that go around in the film yeah and the fact thematic themes <laughs> are we okay <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fact that you know that the child that's always eager to come close to death oh yeah um you know ultimately he finally dies full blown yeah (laughs) uh, yeah, and then um as we go through the journey the the thing that fascinates me about this film is that it's it's not timeless um technically speaking at least like you see those like moving slow zoom ins with that I don't know that synth synthesizer sounds of the eighties. Mm. You know it's from a time period, but I don't know. For me, it worked in a fascinating, like time capsule kind of way. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I think when, and I think you know, it's it's good that we are continuing to evolve. Like the stories we are trying to get. Now we see. Mm the immigrant experience through the documentaries and the films we're seeing, it's not really a a trip. (laughs) It's not really a wonderful trip. It's really a harsh, harsh um, journey to many people that could cost them their lives. And we've come so far already. Um, And just tangentially to mention, like um, the fact that we have now, we are now um, afforded with more complex depictions of racial relations, for example, in America, um, every mm. year we see more works that continue to deepen our understanding that even if we're not Americans, somehow we start to get a deeper understanding compared to what's been made before. That's why um, mm, yeah. Green Book winning Best Picture is such a back set backwards because it's you know it's it's antiquated. But with Journey of Hope, I think you take it as a time capsule of what. Mm they know or what they can, story they tell and what how they can tell it at the time about this vital issue um that journey i think has a lot of interesting ideas there that distrust with the fellow migrant you know the one with the mustache yeah um and then the driver that um at first was icky but then really we came close to them and then to another serious uh, group of strangers um that quest that the issue of trust here in the film is so prevalent at least until 
No, the issue of trust is really uh, an overarching theme here as well. Yeah. Um, because until the the blizzard, they were still distrusting of the calls. Like you know, we will help you, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's characteristic of the my the the immigrant experience, trusting strangers. Uh, yeah. Not always knowing, but hoping that it will be better. It will be good. What will happen next? Yeah, I think trust is like trust and hope is the foundation of the immigrant experience, and they captured it captured it quite well in the film. Like, and up until the end, I don't know if the the two guys will really bring them to Switzerland, but they really did. But they didn't quite fully. <laughs> I didn't finish it with Massimo getting killed. Like, a, Massimo is a tour guide, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and then that factor of them being Muslim, and uh, how it's really interesting what happened. Like in the, when they were already traveling, is that um, there's this one I forgot the name of the character, but there's this one character that was questioning, like, why are you not praying? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that character. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of? I, I don't feel like. No, no. What did you, you think like... of that concept of like faith and uh, religiosity while in in these conditions? How do you handle that? I think to not bring up religion in a film such as this would be would be lacking. But yeah, to to put such, uh, I think. The character is painted like it's funny at first, but you think that it's such uh they did it because it will pay off. They think it will pay off at the end when he says that. At first, he says that he's not uh a political asylum or uh what do you call it? A refugee. He a refugee. At first, he doesn't want to say those right because he says that he's not one of those. But why would he tell them to the police? And then at the end, he says that it's like they wrote him in a way that they will know already what's gonna happen to the to the character. Can you put it for me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I maybe I'm just too particular about this kind of writing. But sometimes I want the characters to not know where they're going when I'm first writing about them. I want to have this journey with them to be to be quite unsure about them. And then so I will be more surprised if a conclusion happens later. But the that character when he says those words, I I already thought that oh he's gonna he's gonna say those words later. Yeah I I think I, I think that goes back to the film Really, yeah, being tight, too, yeah, tightly knit, yeah, to a fault. Yeah, it's a series of like, it, at at first I like that kind of you know technique, but then it grows a little too sure of its steps. Yeah, kind of tie all the details and all the you know make it all circular. Yeah, it's it doesn't it's leave like it doesn't that. leave for more. Uh, I don't know. 
more nuanced observation of the character because I and I think when, when we write those we both write yes ooh, writers yeah. um, we leave I don't know what your process is um, mm. and it's I think it's different per script but yeah, sometimes yeah. we leave spaces for characters to be like yeah um, I don't know what this character will say or like mm. um I even sometimes question my character, for example, those kind of things. And I think with Journey of Hope, once you know the characters, you know them. Mm, That's yeah. with Journey of Hope. You yeah. know the yeah. characters. You know their fate sealed. Yeah. Which is... But yeah. what I like about the the biblical man... Biblical, no? The Muslim... Uh, the religious Muslim man. Some moments I quite like. Like... At first, he wants to pray, and he doesn't know where the where Mecca is, where directions Mecca is. Such funny moments like that are what I like about the film. Yeah, and I do think sometimes um, people have different reactions to pressure because I think with and hardships, because I think mm. there are some people that um, they become more in touch with their spirituality, if not actual religiosity. So they uh, get yeah. some more time with that. Sometimes there are people that are because of what's happening right now, they want to stay in the moment. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't have time for that. I, I have to deal with this now. But, you know, it also kind of showed, like, people in this moment, they have their own ways of coping and own mm. ways of handling their struggles, um, which is a nice nice texture that I found with the film. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, and then... I don't know. A money is like hope, trust, and money. Those are the three big of um, concepts of the immigrant experience. And here, it's it's very obvious that you know money is such a recurring thing because every single time, money, money, money. You go to this place, yeah. money. You go to this place, money. You go to this place, money. And at the beginning, we were thinking of um, you know because. Uh, what to call this? Haidar has a lot of money at the beginning, but then slowly, yeah. and that's that's the reason why he wants to leave. He wants to have economic stability for his family, but slowly yeah. and slowly, I think we see it in him that I think he. I don't know. Sometimes I think there are moments that he was already doubting about it, or like he's just trying to convince himself of the journey yeah. because. Now he sees that everything that he has invested in Turkey has been converted to money. And then it's such a hard process for the family. And then when he goes to this journey, money's thrown left and right. Pay for this, pay for that, pay for this, pay for that. And it's almost as if the money loses its value. So even before he reaches his goal, he doesn't have capital anymore once he starts his own um dream in switzerland yeah so he already lost capital while converting uh his turkish currency to what to call it to euros and francs right that's uh he's not even starting this journey yet and he already lost some capital yeah and it's just an ironic thing again of like he is going for money but mm-hmm. as he travels, he just keeps on yeah. losing and lose, losing and lose. losing until he lost the one thing that is 
I don't know. Not not money. Not money, <laughs> but son. <laughs> I like that we're laughing when we're telling that story, but yeah, really, it is quite um quite a well laid out irony again of the film. Yeah, yeah. when it's like when you can pay more money, you will take something more from you. That's the last price. The last price. Yeah. At the end, it's a transaction. <laughs> Between fate and uh, the tragedy of that. Um, mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I do want to mention I did like because I did like when they were crossing because they were left to like cross the mountain by themselves. And then when they were near the border, there was a blizzard. And then from that moment on, I think the, the film became quiet compared to the oh, first yeah. half of the film. I think that's I think that's the closest that we got to like a raw experience at the moment because I I like that decision of I don't we don't need to heighten this one. This is a mm. high stakes moments as it is, and the drama will play out in its own. What did you think of that mm. blizzard sequence in the film? I also like the blizzard sequence. Actually, I was watching alone and then my mom joined me during the blizzard sequence because I, I told her, oh, they're also crossing the mountains like that did. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so he, she got it really, really, we got really, really invested until the death of the child in the seemingly courtroom, they call that the jail drama that happened afterwards. And yeah, I, I like how they set it up, like no with no people seeing. And that's when I was kind of unsure whether they'll make it or not. And like how I felt so unsure at that moment. Unlike the previous ones. But after the blizzard, that's when it became muddy all over again. Yeah, um I do like that because I think I think we know that this would not be a smooth journey. So it's kind of inevitable that something awry would happen um, somewhere down the line. But then when our suspicion of uncertainty is fulfilled, so like expectations met, that's when the film became unexpected because you don't know like who's going to survive. Are they going to make it? Yeah, yeah. going to fail? I do like that. Um, I do want to ask though, because you said like after the snow, it became muddy. Um, what's 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 the mud? <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> what made it muddy for you? No, that I thought they were gonna, you know, with the conclusion that after all, what he wants is uh, after all that he's been through, and then he says this last word that friendship is all he wants. At that, at last, there's this non-transactional thing that arises that he needs, but then. It ends there, and it ends there. It's like uh, it's like just a one-word twist. <laughs> I I didn't have a new insight about the immigrant experience. I I I genuinely felt connected to them at some point, but I it's what I felt I. But yeah, at the end, I didn't got get a new insight about the matter. Mm. I think the film was really 
more focused in just making us experience the experience rather than yeah, yeah. Um, providing that. Um, I, I think that's providing you yeah, I think that's where but, yeah, it's, it's going. Um, yeah, that ending that we have been talking about because um, uh, you know the, the the blizzard happened. They split up in so many ways. They were eventually um, apprehended and were given assistance. Um, Haidar was told that his son died, which is quite a revelation because you know it was an intense moment, and then suddenly it became mm-hmm. a very quiet one. Um, and then this ending because he is jailed for illegally crossing the border and um, being responsible for the death of his son. And then that ending when the driver of the truck where they rode, uh, you said uh, he wanted to ask for friendship and then it just stopped there. Um, I also cannot defend that ending. <laughs> I don't know what, that end def- I don't know what was the intention of that freeze frame because it oh, yeah, it yeah. felt very um, left field. Mm. Um, I didn't know what to make of that as well, and I've watched it twice, so I still don't know what to make of that <laughs> of that ending. I also felt that <laughs> I also felt like maybe as a as an international co-production between Turkey and Switzerland and the UK. I'm now looking at the Wikipedia page. Like maybe there were some um, political intentions, uh, political um you know decisions that have to be made at the film's conclusion. Like how do we portray this immigrant issue, but not what you call this encouraging further illegal immigrants to Switzerland, such things like that. So maybe they don't want to end the film as well. <laughs> And yeah, those decisions, those those um, facts definitely come in play. Mm-hmm. We don't know the nitty gritty of how that affected the story, but oh, mm-hmm. those have an impact. Uh, yeah, I'm still unsure of this ending because it just didn't feel rooted in what was because I think, like we said, the film is so wrapping up things nicely. And then suddenly there's this one thing at the very, very end, which is like, it's inconclusive. Because I think when you're going to go with a freeze frame, the lack of closure is the closure. Wow. Relationship. Um, but this one, it just, it didn't feel organic, that decision to just go yeah. with a freeze frame. Um, but yeah, I want to backtrack and ask you if there are any memorable scenes that you want to mention in this film. Mm. Like, yeah, I I like it when yeah it's heavy heavy handed most of the time, right? But I like it when they put comedic parts to it, like the addition of the child talking to the goat. Like, that's a funny one. It shows that uh, it's a really it's a charming one. Like talking to the goat and make sure that you get nice and fat so butter flows through you. Things such as that, and then else you know uh, uh, asking where Mecca is pointed so he knows where to pray that's a good one too uh, what else uh, aside from the blizzard 
yeah and when when expectations were when my expectations were broken with the italian with the helpful italian driver yeah i also like that it's, it's endearing <laughs> yeah um how about you yeah i i, I... <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that as well. And I, I don't know his name, I'm sorry. Uh, but I do want to highlight uh, Haidar, which is played by Nick Metin Kobanoglu, and Maryam Nursurer. Um, I think Maryam, the character of Maryam, is there's something, um, there's this quiet, uh, I don't know, quiet motherly power that I really mm-hmm. felt even when the character is mostly silent the whole time. And then uh, I think the character of Haidar was so was well played because I think the character is unbearably selfish. He's saying that he wants mm. a better life for his family, but this is re- uh, there was there a point in the journey that this is just about him proving himself. I think, yeah. But I think that character is still grounded in I don't know. I still understand that person even if it's tough. And um, the character of Mehmet, uh, played by Emin Sebas, I just brought this up. He's such a stubborn kid, but mm-hmm. when we were watching this with my mom, and it's like, you're actually worse than the kid <laughs> when you were a yeah. child. Like, you're going inside the kitchens of restaurants, uh, getting mm-hmm. knives, and um, um, throwing the water from the fountain of the restaurants and stealing napkins <laughs> from the, when you were a kid. You are like that kid, like oh, I'm so sorry, I understand him. <laughs> um, that train opening sequence is such an opening. Uh, when the oh, oh my god, like yeah. And then, uh, I do like the moment when they were inside a container. I I don't like them inside a container. It's like that moment is so <laughs> gripping because that's a moment where, even if you are probably not on board with the story, that's a true. Um, real life stakes because we know people especially in human trafficking where people die helplessly because they were confined and they were trafficked those those kinds of um, moments and I think I, I, I had those those worries like oh no um, and then the scene in the the customs and when they were entering Switzerland when they were rejected because Mm. It was that's where you know it's not going to be as smooth as yeah, yeah. What they thought it would be. Um, I really like that, and I think until that very moment, I'm still I'm still questioning the driver. Like, is he gonna sell out or, yeah? Yeah, is he a pedophile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those questions. I mean, there's a lot of questions there, um, and then going back to like trusting to strangers that scene where it's a very small scene but um Haidar was made to sign a paper that we're gonna give you a oh, job yeah, yeah. but you're gonna give us half of your salary you see here that adding to hope trust and money power <laughs> is mm-hmm. um another big factor because you are trusting your life and your safety to people that they may abuse you or not abuse you, but you are helpless because they're the ones that know that experience. Mm. Um, and just two scenes. Uh, I like it when Haidar was reunited with Maryam, and then he told Maryam that their son died. Uh, 
because oh yeah yeah the wailing got me yeah and my mom really really cried yeah <laughs> and I what I liked about the scene is that uh, aside from the great acting of the two actors is that it was the camera's far and I think there's a glass so oh, yeah. it could have been such a big dramatic moment but then it's it's one of those moments when the film surprisingly pulls back and like ooh, I, I, oh I I yeah. like that and it, it's quite a nice touch too that Maryam finally is in a comfortable position and then the news comes out. I mean, the visual irony that she is resting like in a hotel in Switzerland first time in her life. I just suddenly found it ironic that, you know, your reaction to that moment is like, you know, you're crying and I'm like, oh, that's such, such a good dramatic moment, you know, behind the glass. <laughs> I'm heartless. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think one of the most powerful moments in the film, I want to hear your thoughts on this, is um, when Maryam's group, mostly women and one guy, they ended up mm. um, banging the glass of a pool. Oh, yeah. And you see the clueless guy is like, it's closed. Because he was thinking of like, mm. are you going to check in? It's closed. Yeah, yeah. But them, they're asking like, we're going to die. Our fellow people are going to die. And it's just a sharp, sharp contrast. And it's one of those, I don't know, one of those moments where the themes of the film is encapsulated visually in one mm. shot. Yeah. Just that's, that's the scene that made me like, am I crying right now? <laughs> that moment yeah. that moment really was yeah, that powerful. one's moving yeah. and there's this suspense that are they gonna be let in or not like when the scene cuts to the blizzard again with the father and the son and then cuts back that all oh they're already inside and Swiss people are taking care of them already yeah that's I felt really relieved after that <laughs> yeah but that thing like before they were treated for their like injuries and such because for the mm, longest time, we, have to do that. yeah, we understand. We understand what they're saying. The dialogue, we understand it. Suddenly, um, you know, when they were already like being the first time they were met, and they were like showing pictures, like, "Oh my son, my I don't know," that they were clamoring. Suddenly, mm. we don't understand them. I think it's the same way that when we look at, I don't know. Sometimes people kind of trivialize immigrants in such a way that I don't understand yeah. the language. And it's just such a sharp turn because for the longest time, we know what they're saying. We understand what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly we're, we're clueless and people think, and people are clueless and probably they think they're hysterical or something like that. It's it's a it's a crushing when you shift perspectives and you realize that, mm. oh, this is how we see, how, this is the two sides of the immigrant experience. Yeah, yeah. And also the, I don't know if it's just my copy, this, the shift in subtitles, right? It really, it really highlighted that moment. Like when the Swiss people came and the investigators, and when the Turkish people are speaking, it's not subtitled anymore. Yeah. Don't worry, it's my copy and, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a copy, but I hope it's really. I don't. I think that's intentional. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's intentional. I, think, I hope so too. I think it's intentional that. It's flipped. It's a really good turn. Yeah. Which makes you think of like, um, for for the Swiss that are comfortable and in their resort, these are people, um, these are illegal immigrants. Understand. 
can't understand them. They're crying. They cannot register them. You know, mm. those problems. But when you under, when you look at the other side, these are people just asking for a chance for a better life. And uh, mm. and after what they've been through, it's life and death <laughs> that you just went yeah. through. But it's trivialized and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, but going back, I just want to be fair to the film. But maybe, but <laughs> okay. when I said, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I didn't got, I, I didn't get a new insight from it. But maybe it's a product of its time. Maybe in the 1990s, films such as these are not yet widely, you know, documented or made. And the process of these of stories of crossing borders are not crossing borders in a modern setting is not yet uh, captured this way. So maybe it was, it gave people a new insight back then. But today we're at 2020, we're, we're so, you know, uh, what do you call this? I hope that we're already past this, but sadly not. No, it's not. It's just, <laughs> it's it keeps on getting worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and... Uh... It's just maybe it's the world's fault, not the film's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else you'd like to add to Journey of Hope? Mm, no, I'm good. All right. So that's beautifully shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about how Journey of Hope had its journey to Oscar Gold. Um, I'm looking here. It says it premiered at September 20th in Switzerland. I don't know if it had a qualifying run before this. It premiered at Locarno in August 11, where it won a bronze leopard. It premiered in the United States in April 26, um, one month after the Oscars. <laughs> so it really waited for its Oscar win. Again, this was Switzerland's second win and fifth nomination. Journey of Hope didn't win any major awards leading to the Oscars, and it only had 261,718 in the box office in the United States. I think it's a surprising win. <laughs> um, but let's check the other nominees. So, the nominees for this year are Cyrano de Bergerac from France, Judo from China, The Nasty Girl from Germany, and open doors from Italy. So, which one of these four would you like to discuss first? Uh, first, uh, I, oh, what do you call this? I really, really like the nasty girl. All right, <laughs> so the nasty girl from Germany with premiered in Berlin, where it won directing Silver Lion, a uh, Silver Bear, <laughs> and it was nominated mm. for Golden Globe, and it won BAFTA for. Best film not in the English language in 1991. It won New York Films Critics Society, uh, New York Film Critics Circle, and it is about um, Sonia, a young girl who enters an essay contest and researches about the involvement of her town in the Third Reich. 
So while he was researching, he discovers that his the members of his town of her town aren't just unwilling um, Nazi members. They have deep roots within the Third Reich. And they actually mm. collaborated with the Gestapo. So because of her investigation, the citizens of the town tried to stop her efforts from uncovering the truth. So this was based on a true story. Um, so you said you like the nasty girl. Can you please expound on that? Why, why, why do you like the nasty girl? <laughs> Because I'm a nasty girl. Wow! <laughs> On the record. No, no, no. <laughs> no, because I didn't research on any of these films prior hand. I prior, prior to watching them, and then come the nasty girl, and I thought that I didn't know that it was based on a real story. I thought it was just being playful, and it started off really, really small. It's about this girl and. The girl's parents and an essay in the backyard and her writing this essay and then it went on to these you know i was i was thinking to myself that oh it's getting deeper and deeper but still holding to its comedic roots right and then it went on deeper and deeper until it touched the third reich <laughs> but still in a very very playful manner Playful while being sensitive. And I don't know. I just, uh, while watching it, I remembered Bayaning Third World by Mike DeLeon. You know, that kind of mockumentary feel that the, and breaking the third wall. The, but now, and, uh, you know, uh, the construction of an autobiography kind of feel to it. That's all. I really, really like it. I'm ashamed to say that I haven't seen Third World Hero yet. And I know it's one of the mm-hmm. best films of uh, the 90s in the Philippines. But, yeah, it's um, the same. It's also in the 90s. And the 90s it's... is a notoriously weak year for our cinema here in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So that really stands out as one of the best from that decade. Um, the Nasty Girl. I think <laughs> I had some uh, because every time I watch almost every time a lot of the films that I've seen that were submissions from Germany and weren't nominated are about the Nazi history the Holocaust and uh, mm. it can be uh, exhausting to watch at times um mm. But then the nasty girl, I I I mean I, I I knew about its summary, but I didn't really know where it's gonna go. Um mm. it is a very dynamic film. Um, oh, yeah. that unpacks the dark history of Germany in such a an idiosyncratic way of just like, all right, here's a humor, here's the humor, and it's funny, but you also see how, like I said, how deep it goes in terms of like using humor to unpack this theme that the film is exploring. Mm. The way, um, then the the communal shame, mm. and um, in some ways, the com- Complicit, uh, being complicit to that, and 
you know, in some ways, some of them, some of the characters there are still kind of have, um, I, I don't know, like su- support for the Nazi cause. The, the neo yeah. the Nazism is still alive, but it's terrifying because, you know, we can discuss politics in big ways, but it's really hard. What the thing that makes discussing politics so hard is because when it comes to person to person, our yeah. families having different um, political uh, ideologies, our neighbors, and how people can just shun their loved ones just because of a disagreement in terms of politics. Um, and with the nasty girl, it unpacks that very delicate position of like a person uh, uncovering the truth of the people around her. And it does it in such a distinct way. The humor is everywhere. It's in the dialogue. It's in the visual style. It's a lot yeah. of, a lot of choices made in this film are so interesting and it, because of its humor, it really goes deep somewhere in this exploration. Yeah. I like what you said about, you know, it's hard when it, politics goes person to person when we talk about it that way. And it's one of Nasty Girl's strengths that, you know, it's really funny when she started talking about, you know, the, the pharmacies people that sold her you know, medicine since she was little. And, you know, uh, people and seemingly, you know, this town that is seemingly so innocent. Yeah, and it really locates that story in such a micro way that, you know, it's, it's, it's such a fresh way to handle that story because it's also interesting that the next time that Germany was nominated in 1992, it's Stonk. It's also a comedy about um, neo-Nazism in Germany. And I think um, it's just surprising when you like attack a story in a different manner and it pays off dividends then instead of like handling it in that. Because I can see this film, I can see the story being handled in a more straightforward, dramatic way. And I think it would still be powerful. But the fact that it used this mockumentary... Um, in humor and just you know left and right there are like fresh ideas and just unpacking unpacking this deep-seated relationship of the town to the Nazi um, party the Nazi influence and how it permeates until the very fact that people stop her from telling the truth it's yeah. it's a very complex um, situation that the nasty girl handled really well, and I'm I love it. Yay! I loved it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the nasty girl. What's the next girl? Open doors. I quite don't remember too much because it's one of the first. All right. Yeah. That I watched this. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, Open Doors from Italy. It premiered at Director's Fortnite at Cannes. It's about a man who committed a triple homicide and uh, the new leadership of the fascist leaders and the public um, really believe that uh, Tommaso Scalia is deserving of the death penalty. However, the judge that is handling his case doesn't really believe in a capital punishment and is willing 
to like give him the benefit of the doubt of like not subjecting him, uh, not giving him the capital punishment, but um, that just infuriates <laughs> everyone, <laughs> even the murderer, <laughs> because the murderer knows he is deserving yeah. of the capital punishment. So yeah, uh, what we were saying about open doors. Yeah, I was saying that it. It fulfilled my expectations of a courtroom drama, and uh, what if? Uh, but it's uh, I I remember that I I like it, but it's a little bit too didactic. It's really really it it tackles really philosophical things such as you know the right to live, a person's right to live, and even if he already faced such. Uh, He already he is already guilty of four murders. Does he still have a right to live? Things such philosophical topics such as that. And it the film handled it really sensitively. And I really like how they set up the you know the acting really helped in a lot of ways in the film. Uh, the protagonist, the judge and the Who is the judge again? I forgot. Uh, Vito Di Francesco. Yeah, I really, really like how he, uh, you know, portrays the character in all his subtle movements. Uh, yeah, but you know, like what I said, it's uh, it's uh, at the end it became a little too didactic, so I wasn't able to reconnect emotional in an emotional level. About don't you, don't you think it's because of the nature of the characters because like for example he's a judge so we, he always has to say things as it is and he philosophize out loud or yeah what oh, it, I, I can forgive it for being <laughs> yeah it's a choice to be like that because of the nature of the characters like they're intellectuals already they have the right to be yeah. you know worthy and stuff Yeah, uh, to be honest, that's probably sometimes my um, dilemma when watching like films about activists is that activists in general, you know, and not in general, but activists for the most part, <laughs> like they say things. Um, they, for example, they 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 they, they talk a lot. <laughs> they talk a lot, and they quote concepts and big ideas, and mm. uh, in such a matter of fact way. And that some that doesn't really sometimes mesh with the art of filmmaking because in filmmaking you really have to yeah. code in such a way. So, like, um, I just remember that because like, how do you make, for example, a film about um, activists speaking out and speak spe and and you know being activists, being outspoken as as they are, without making the film didactic in itself and i think that's mm. also sometimes one of the thoughts that i had when i was watching open doors is that um the people are having this huge com conversations um but where not, yeah where do you where do you play that line like the characters are saying big concepts but the film should not necessarily say the big concepts so those yeah yeah it's a there tricky, has to be a balance tricky still still uh, play something nice for us visually. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, it has to 
fast to that level for it to be an effective film, not just talking, talking, talking. Yeah, that is so interesting that you remembered those moments of like dialogue because for me with Open Doors, what I really remember are the stretches where there's less dialogue. Uh, for example, um, the opening sequence is a lengthy um, murder spree. <laughs> I just love yeah. how unpredictable it got because of how it played with shadows and darkness and like blocking and like not showing much of the face. And it is mm. doing interesting things here and there <laughs> in yeah. terms visually that makes it makes us it makes it even I don't know um, hard. Uh, to really decide because you know um, the judge is having a hard time we are also having a hard time like what 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 really what re- what's what's what do we think because I think the film is also asking us actively well what do you think um, should be the judgment for um, the murderer um, it doesn't feel um major to me but i think it's a well-crafted story in its own yeah yeah so that's <laughs> that's the open doors <laughs> all right so cyrano de bergerac or judo cyrano de bergerac all right i watch so... it with glenn okay <laughs> oh yes glenn barrett our guest for oh my gosh uh, the first ever yeah. bonus episode where i interviewed him about his Uh, feature film debut cleaners yes and you were the creative producer and editor of the film right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah wow woo all right and so Glenn said I uh, sorry Glenn said that I should give him a shout out so hi Glenn hi Glenn <laughs> we watched this together <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah Shikhana de Bergerac is from France it premiered in Cannes where it won best actor for its actor Gérard Depardieu It won Golden Globe that year and was nominated for BAFTA in 1991. Um, in the BAFTA, it won Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup, and Best Score. And was also nominated for Best Actor, Adapted Screenplay, Production Design, and Foreign Language Film. It won National Board of Review. At the Oscars, it's also nominated for Best Actor, Art Direction, Makeup, and won Costume Design. So it's about... A soldier and poet, um, you know, the titular Shahana de Bishak, who is in love with a woman, but he is ashamed because of his big nose. Uh, but when um, another soldier uh, falls for that woman, um, Cyrano gives his assistance with words so that um, that soldier and his Let's give names. The woman was Roxanne. The soldier was Christian. So that Christian and uh, Roxanne would fall in love. Um, but, you know, other things happen that threaten to... It threatened that um, triangular agreement. I don't know what's the right word. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you said you watched it with Glenn. What did you think of Cyrano de Bergerac? Yeah, at first know of it as a play but I really didn't watch the play. I just heard of it like being restaged in Dulaang UP, our universities. Uh, Shout out to Dulaang UP. <laughs> our university's theater club. So yeah, I had these expectations that maybe it will 
play out as in a theatery kind of way. <laughs> theatery. And but I'm theater <laughs> theatrical kind of way. But I was hoping that it would translate to a film visually uh, you know in in I it would translate to a film really well. Mm, and uh what I felt about it after yeah, it's still theatrical. <laughs> yeah, but it's not its fault. It was based on a theater play. But I I accepted it the way as it is. But I still got that feeling that I was not able to connect to them. That maybe it's not the film's fault. There are three levels of language barriers that I have to go through to connect to them. No, there's hope. It's translation from Taga, Filipino to English, old English to old English, old English to French, <laughs> and the poetry part, right? So there's a lot of layers that I have to go through. So visually, I have to commend it. It's set up very, very grand, in a grand manner. And the cinematography too, I have to commend. And, but the story, it's quite simple. It's a, it's a funny premise, but it's quite simple. Like, you can make it as a rom-com plot yeah. these days. Yeah. Like, a guy pretends to be someone, someone, so that the girl... Okay, that's all. What do you <laughs> think about it? <laughs> um, is that a cat? Oh my god, you can see the cat. I saw the cat a while ago. Hi, cat. What's the name? We have seven cats. So right. this is Lily. Hi. Okay. Bye. Lily. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she go. wants to be petted. Okay, that's all. Um, This film, I do think that this is probably like the most... If we're going to talk about like achievement... Oh, it's either this or another one in terms of like cinematic achievement it's really a delicious production of this mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't thinking of it as a stage play because um, I'm stupid and I only thought of <laughs> it as um, because in 1950 there was already a Cyrano de Bergerac um, which mm. won best actor at the Academy Awards so I was oh. just thinking like oh maybe it's an iteration of Cyrano de Bergerac I didn't know it was an, as a theater play but I, if um, I kind of already understand now, given the richness of the words here. Um, so filmmaking wise, there's no question. It is a really, it's, it's, um, it's quite the production. Uh. Um, so deserving of its nominations. Um, I, I, I see the costume design win at the Oscars. I, I see it. Oh, they won? Oh, they won costume design. Okay. Congrats, Irana. <laughs> <laughs> Um, however, I did have a hard time going, um, having my way in because our introduction with the Serana de Bergerac character is a relentless, like 10 to 15 minute verbal warfare. Yes. Which informs us of like the nature of the character, like how far he would go to use words. I think, I think it's well established in those parts, but however, it is also kind of as holy 
So yeah, um, it was really hard for me to immediately um, attach myself to the character of Sahana de Bergerac. Um, it took me a while because then he had his love for Roxanne, but he's ashamed because of his, because of his um, physical insecurity. That's my way in, you know, not being able to manifest my love because of physical insecurity. That's my way into this story. <laughs> it took me quite a while. Um, <laughs> wow, funny. <laughs> you know it. Um, but, but, um, it took some while. I did realize that this is a tragic character, actually. Um, and Gerard Depardieu is giving it all for better and for worse. Um, Anne Brochet is also very good. And Vincent Perez is just. Uh, how, how do you Timothy sh- Chalamet of this generation? <laughs> no, I won't accept that. <laughs> Why? Do you like Timothy? I like them both. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. But it the, the film is a beauty to behold. Uh, visually speaking, it's so well made. Um if I'm going to have a few gripes as well. First one um that nose didn't mm, exactly so, age well. So prosthetic key. <laughs> prosthetic key. Prosthetic key. Yeah, um, it had uh, because the, because we got a good quality this time of the film, so you really see like how the light reflects on the nose and the like, texture, like hmm, 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 hmm. But you know, um, is good, and um, also it really needed to end earlier. Oh it, yeah, it that went long, on that long monologue. With him already dying, <laughs> it's quite painful. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. He's dying. <laughs> He's dying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's. It does I, stretch. It really is a stretch, and I do think the film would have benefited for trimming, from trimming, not just uh, scenes, but actual words. Yeah, yeah. But that's the. Uh... You know, I uh, I have this question. How do you critique uh, the screenplay when it's based off uh, uh, another material from another art form? I take what's on the screen. Mm. Because what's there is... Like, for, we're going to have this issue... Oh, um, at the time of recording, Hillbilly Elegy is not yet released on Netflix, but that's mm. a film that's getting a lot of flack because of um, the author of the source material is uh, conservative. But mm. according to earlier to critics, one of the uh, earlier reviews from critics, the film really stayed away from that. Uh, mm. So, with that, I it's it's really hard and I think unfair if I'm gonna judge. Um, the screenplay of a film based on what's outside of it. Mm, yeah. Um, the same way that I remember um, one of the rare experiences that I first read the book and then um, watched the film as One Day. Do you know? Do you remember One Day? Yeah. And Hathaway um, and... Jim Sturgis. Um, mm. 
I read that book and made me cry so much. But, and I was in high school. Why were you crying about a tragic relationship? <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw the film, I thought, huh, it didn't capture the complexity of the book. But that's 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 not the fairest assessment because those yeah. are two different mediums. And but yeah, yeah, that's right. But in Serrano's oh. Serrano de Bergerac's uh, case, we were saying that we were not able to emotionally connect to the character, but he is written in the novella that uh, in the theater theater text that way already. But do they have the license to make him more likable in the film? What do you think about that? Not necessarily likable, but or you know, what um... ways can they do to make us relate to him more or it's not their problem I mean, no i think they can they they could adjust it i mean for some people this is one of the best films of the year so they had obviously had no problem with connecting um, but for us it's it's a decision that they make once they adapt it so um should they be beholden to how it was written in this material or not, because that opening sequence of Shana de Bergerac, I think, would have been such an astounding. Like, in the- I could imagine, like, when you watch yeah, it in, in theater, theater right? that would be like, oh my gosh. Mm. But when you watch it in film, like, oh my gosh. Yes. Like, yeah. It's really up to the adaptation. They, they, yeah. they don't have to adapt everything, they have to fit it. What do, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I think too. I mean, I hope they trimmed it down that that introduction or you know adjusted it, adjusted the intro. I, but I don't know. I haven't seen the theater play. That's all. I'm all judging from the film, like what's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is a, that is quite interesting that you brought that up because for many people, like. Um, films that are adapted from plays like it's really it's really hard for them to to like them because they oh it doesn't really expand you know the story it's still very stagey very theatrical long dialogues i actually like those i like i like 15 minutes of meryl streep and philip seymour hoffman just fighting with words uh, I, I, I I like Meryl Streep just devouring the family for like 15 to 20 minutes in a lunch um, I, I like those moments and I, I like films based on plays and those who embrace the staginess of their material I, I like those um, but I don't know <laughs> it's probably <laughs> the nature of the character that I'm talking about yeah, 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 maybe. which is probably just me um, but yeah, it's quite a tragic character, and I, I, it's surprising because I really, un, I really, empathize with him somewhere down the line, and I wish I understood him earlier. Mm. Or maybe I don't. Maybe I am Cyrano, and I just don't see it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am that loud person, like in the beginning. Ooh, that's me. I don't know. I don't Cyrano. know. Shut up. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> to our non-Filipino guests, we're not translating that. That's such an inside <laughs> joke. 
All right, so we're left with judo from China. It premiered in Cannes. It was banned in China. Oh, um, really? And then <laughs> it was only released in July 1992. So they they submitted this. <laughs> the committee submitted the film. And then they banned it. So the filmmakers found a way to screen it somewhere in China so that it would still be... Because if it's not screened in China, it would not be eligible to be submitted. So, so where did they screen it? In the province near Hong Kong, I think. Oh. Just so they could screen it. Mm-hmm. And then China got nominated. The same committee that submitted judo tried to withdraw the film from the Oscars. But the Academy said no. You cannot withdraw it anymore. So, yeah. So, it is about judo, um, played by Gong Li, uh, the young bride of um, an abusive business owner, of Silk Dying. And she is um, enduring sexual and um, physical violence from the his new husband that actually just bought her. Uh, and then Judo finds a comfort with um, the husband's nephew. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. But Judo got pregnant. So they have to cover that up by saying that it was actually the abusive husband that impregnated her. So this is a collaboration of Zhang Yi, Zhang Jimu and Gong Li, but there is there is another director attached to it. What, what's uh, yeah. Feng? I'm so sorry. Yang Feng Liang. Yeah, Yang Feng. Yeah. So judo, judo, judo. What do you think of judo? Judo is a visual feast for me, <laughs> and I just knew from the Wikipedia page that it was shot in Technicolor, but apparently our copy is not that good. But I still appreciate it, all the framing and stuff, not just the Technicolor part. <laughs> yeah, but technically-wise, it's really good. And it feels like an epic or a, you know, a folklore. It played out like a, an epic in an epic kind of way as it's a period drama and what i really like about it is the mood uh, set how it set the mood as well uh, i've been saying this earlier I, I, it's all i'm talking about tonight like but i really like how they set it the the silence and introducing the character of the woman and you know how it tackled gaze, you know, from I thought it's just gonna be a peeping tom kind of story, but it it swerved. It's when the woman who is being looked at, you know, judo herself, used use the gaze or the peeping to her advantage by asking for help, and finally, you know, uh asking for help and getting closer to to 
the what do you call his name the protagonist no his nephew uh, her nephew by to make her not seem like a sexual object like hey i have i have these bruises i'm a real person don't just look at me like a sexual object no it's that scene is powerful for me what do you think um <laughs> judo is i think a film that um trusts its audience to read between the lines so it really has a lot of like visual choices that um have a lot of like uh, deeper implications it's 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 a uh, it's filmmaking that really maximizes like color and lighting and blocking um it's um it's a film that trusts the audience to put things together i don't know what that means but i just said that <laughs> um it is quite the a dark story really and yeah it's it's a very dark story um the filmmaking is already so superb but then you have the performance of gong li at the center of it which just embraces the character's flaws in such a captivating way um because and it's also like um it's not just the story of a woman uh, committing adultery it's a, it's it's about a woman regaining her um self-determination after being abused yeah and i like how the film depicted the violence because it's never gratuitous it's, it's so clear that yeah. she's being abused but it's never too much and i just love that journey that she had uh, with her character and um it's quite a tragic story as well and i think It is a very bold film. Probably why it was banned <laughs> in China. But there were really yeah, there were really a lot of interesting choices in that film. For example, oh, for the for the no, I really like how they set it up in a dying die in a die business. Really made use of the colors. And also uh Yeah, the colors and no, it, it really made use of the colors in the semiotically, semiotically. Yeah, and I think also the physicality of the actual business, the like the hanging of the cloth and like it rolling yeah. down on the water and it, yeah, it it feels like the perfect setup for this tragedy. Yeah. And. Oh, I let can we talk about the moments that we really like <laughs> instead? Wow, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I really remember that. My favorite part is when they first had their sexual contact, and their first sexual contact. You know, with all the red red curtains going down. I really wish I remember more, but um, I just remembered. I remember a lot of the crucial moments in the film where the cloth is falling rapidly to the water with color. 
Mm, yeah. That really happens in very uh, intense moments. And it's just a wonderful depiction of like tension exploding through that like a violent dropping of cloth um it's a stunning film it, it really is and i i wish i remember it more <laughs> because i, I watched it <laughs> and it's true it's really stunning weeks. yeah you know and a nice little touches like in subtle little touches like the baby can laugh and all we hear are sounds of the two the two the two adulterous adulterous couple laughing while their child can't laugh things mm-hmm. and such like that there's a scene right where uh, uh judo set the 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 business on fire right yeah at the end i really love it when characters burn houses or something like that <laughs> like watch out for a, a film from me i would burn a house like in, oh my gosh the the short film that i made last may mm. uh it's it about sorry it has it has burning in it <laughs> uh it's about a character watching his neighbor's house burn down oh it's good and I'm the actor. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, and I was the actor, so like I I really love burning, burning, burning. But yeah, this is a really stunning again, like uh, filmmaking. Really, I I'm at a loss of words. Um, yeah, so those are our four. So what um what is your general thoughts about the group of nominees so far? Like the general vibe. What do you think of this bunch as a group? Yeah, I mean it's a really, really it's quite a diverse bunch from if it's from the nineties. And I, I just know that this is the first film from mainland China to be nominated. Is it first Chinese film? To yeah, be first and only from China. Ooh. Yeah, because nineteen ninety one and nineteen ninety three, Hong Kong got nominated. Yeah. Separate. From mainland China, and then Taiwan also got nominated ninety three, ninety four, and two thousand. So Ooh. China only got nominated once. Oh really? Yeah, for a film that they banned. <laughs> yeah, that's the irony of it. But yeah, it's a uh, quite the group. I yeah. I don't think there's a bad film in here, oh. and that's great because once in a while. <laughs> we have bad films so yeah so now I'm just gonna run down some of the other submissions that probably came close to becoming submitted do know that there are only 37 submissions and as of the time of recording we already have 60 plus submissions for this year uh, 2020 and we had cinemas closed down huh so it just shows you like um, the amount of work being done and amount of films being submitted now so in 1990 we have 37 submissions first timers are Chile and Ooh. Germany because um, this is the first time that Germany submitted as a unified country because the previous year they were East Germany and West Germany yeah, this was the time of like the falling down of the Berlin Wall. And this is the last year of Soviet Union submitting as Soviet Union because the following year they would be submitting as Russia. Mm. 
So this really this part of like the early nineties is really a lot of political movement, especially in uh, in Europe. A lot of countries breaking apart, so that really made more entries coming in. So um, some of the films that were submitted are Taxi Blues from Soviet Union. It won Best Directing at Cannes. It got a Golden Globe nomination, and it's about a taxi driver who meets a musician. Uh, Requiem for Dominic from Austria. It was nominated for a Golden Globe. It's about an exile who returns to find his friend accused of several murders. The Winter War from Finland. It premiered in Berlin. It was actually shortlisted for Best Sound Effects Editing the previous year. And it's about, in 1939, two Finnish brothers are conscripted in the army to fight the war between Finland and the Soviet Union. And then I, the worst of all, from Argentina. It premiered in Venice. It's about a ba- it's it's based on a real life Catholic nun during the Spanish Inquisition. Shows it was like an early feminist figure, which was controversial. The Moon in the Mirror from Chile. It won Best Actress at Venice. It's about a sailor in bed who maintains control of his home through mirrors hung around. The Sting of Death from Japan. It won Grand Prix at Cannes. It's about a couple who goes into reclusion to save their marriage after an affair. Cabeza de Vaca from Mexico. It premiered in Berlin. It's about Alvar Nunez Cabeza de Vaca, a Spanish explorer who met Native Americans. Herman from Norway. It's about a boy who starts to get bald at the age of 11. Fallen from Heaven from Peru. Uh, premiered in Montreal World in Toronto. It's about three stories set in Lima, Peru during the political instability of the 1980s. Ay, Carmela from Spain. <laughs> it um, was directed by Carlos Saura, who was submitted in 1983 and 1998. It's about three traveling players for the Republic who sides with nationalists during the Spanish Civil War. Mayumi from South Korea. It's based on true events. It's about two North Korean agents attempting to bomb a plane mid-air. Good evening, Mr. Wallenberg from Sweden. It premiered in Berlin. It's about a Swedish diplomat who was instrumental in saving Hungarian Jews during the Holocaust. Song of the Exile from Taiwan. It premiered in Uncertain Regards section at Cannes. It's about, it stars Maggie Chung and is about a woman who returns to Hong Kong for her sister's wedding and starts to have an East-West clash with her mother. Time of Miracles from Yugoslavia. It's about a 1945 village that was taken over by communists. They enter the church, they overpaint their frescoes, but then the overfrescoes return. So a miracle happens. And Carnival Scenes from Romania. It was finished in 1981, but it was banned and it was only released after the revolution of 1989. So it's qualified this year. It's about a small world of bourgeois intrigues and frivoli- frivolities. Um, it's like a, a love one to, I don't know, a love pentagon. This is crazy, but um, but yeah, significant. So now let's go to the other films that were not submitted, but there were remarkable additions to foreign language films this year. Let's just start with Freeze Die Come to Life from Soviet Union. It, it one camera door from Cannes. It's about post-World War II, two children trying to survive in mining town in Siberia. Larks on a String from Czechoslovakia. It won Golden Bear from Berlin. It was made in 1969, but was banned 
It was only released in 1990. So it's about people that were considered bourgeois. Uh, they were forced to like labor for education. The aesthetic syndrome from Soviet Union. It won special jury prize in Berlin. It's about a school teacher afflicted with a weakness syndrome that makes him fall asleep at inappropriate times. The Guard from Soviet Union. It won Alfred Bauer Prize from Berlin. It's about a Soviet soldier angry because of systemic corruption. So he shoots six fellow soldiers. <laughs> Nouvelle Vague from France. Uh, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. is about a hitchhiker taken by wealthy industrialist. So... We have your three films that are very remarkable, um, part of the world cinema from this year that were not submitted, and you've seen them. So I'm just going to ask you quickly. So the first film here is Dreams from Japan. It was out of competition in Cannes. It was Golden Globe nominee, directed by Akira Kurosawa. It had backing from the United States. It's probably not eligible to be submitted even. So the film is basically um, a group of dreams that were based on Akira Kurosawa's recurring dreams. Hence, dreams. So mm -hmm. what did you think of dreams? Uh, I watched it in college, so I don't remember it so well. But I remember it's one of my first, uh, you know, one of my first steps to my journey in world cinema. <laughs> so, yeah, I was quite surprised at Kurosawa who made Rashomon. You know, Rashomon is one of the first films that you have to watch in film school, right? That the filmmaker behind Rashomon would make this film, which is more impressionistic, but not so floppy. And it's quite neat. It's a new experience for me back then. Yeah. I mean, I should rewatch it soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, first of all, I haven't seen Rashomon. <laughs> um, but I will for this podcast. Um, and then, um, which class did you watch it for? It's uh, Production design. I think. Yeah, same teacher. Or, or, or are we, or, or I know, Sir Chong Sons. I can't remember. Uh, I think we watched it for um, production design with Mamsari Dalena. Mm. Um, yeah, but I have seen clips of Dreams <laughs> from college as well. <laughs> Unbelievable visuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's really grand, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the next <laughs> film is yeah. Close Up from Iran. It was directed by Abbas Kerostami. It was received uh, kind of negatively at the time in Iran, but it's now heralded really? as one of the best films ever. <laughs> uh, it's about um, a real, I'm just quoting here, real life trial of a man who impersonated a filmmaker, uh, conning a family to believe that they would star in his new film. So what did you think of Close Up? Oh, I really, really love it. It's one of the other stuff. It, it's my one, or if not my favorite Kerostami work. Yeah, if it's, it's if I'm gonna treat it as a courtroom drama, that's what I like, that, you know, that feeling of being unsure where the film would bring me. <laughs> and at the film, when they were just riding that motorcycle. It's my favorite motorcycle scene in film history. <laughs> that's a very specific observation, but I love that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
yeah, that's also one of the. I should have watched this, but mm. I, I wasn't feeling well the past week, so I did not have time anymore. It's okay, you have to rest. Wow, <laughs> thanks for the pep talk. <laughs> and the last film that we have here is Days of Being Wild, directed by Wong Kar Wai. Um. I, again, I will quote this. It's about a man who tries to find out who his real mother is, after the woman who raised him tells him the truth. I haven't uh, seen this. You I'm said sorry. you've seen it. it. I wa- I'm so I'm wrong. I haven't seen this. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Thinking of another Wong Kar Wai film. Fallen Angels. Huh? Yes, I was thinking uh, of Fallen Angels. I I think I I think uh, Days of Being Wild. It was shot here. Yes, or there were scenes. The right. there, yeah, were there were scenes, scenes shot here. In the Philippines, but yeah. So since you haven't seen it, di wala Yeah, it's Wong Kar Wai. Um, what's your favorite Wong Kar Wai film? I'm gonna guess. In the mood for love. No, Chongqing. Ah, I'm Chung basic King. like that. No. <laughs> now, yeah. It's like that. So close. <laughs> How can you describe that orally? <laughs> it's a tight decision. Because it's Chungking is a sentimental choice for me. But now that I rewatch in the mood a lot of times now that I'm older, I think it's better. How old? Still making wise. Still making wise, but Chungking is my spe- sentimental choice. Specimental choice. <laughs> sentimental choice. Yeah. How about Happy Together? I like it as well. Mm. Mm. I see. Don't you like it? Uh, um, I really did not like uh, Happy Aww. Together. Um, mm. Chungking was really good. And In the Mood for Love is off the charts. Yes. Like, it should have, because it was submitted in 2000, it should have won in 2000 Which for best. won in 2000. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Another Asian <laughs> classic, though. So, yeah. What? What are you saying? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that In the Mood is better. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's, um, I, I watched In the Mood for Love after film school. Mm. So Me. now I get all of your references. All you guys in film school, you're referencing in the mood for love. I really hate it when you know we were in college and in the mood our colleagues or our friends who are so emo at that time, so emotional. (laughs) This is their favorite film, and I'm I'm kind of a hipster for not watching it because everybody likes it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. um, I think sometimes when in film school, some films are canonized, like you know. and that's the thing. When I was in film school, I wasn't really watching a lot of films when I was in film school. Especially the canonized ones. Like, I haven't seen Citizen Kane. I haven't seen Rashomon. I haven't seen uh, In the Mood for Love. Those films that were, like, the best. Capital B-E-S-T. Um, I just... I did not like watching films to conform or, like, to complete a certain, like, standard around in the environment, like... So, I only watched In the Mood and Citizen Kane. 
outside of film school. Like, I graduated without seeing those. And uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Rashomon yet. I'm glad I saw them in my own accord, in my own time. Because I yeah. don't already have the pressure of, like, liking them in the moment. Or just, I don't know. We all move in our different pace and time. So I think that's fine. That's true. That's why I want to rewatch some of the canonized ones that we watch in film school. Now that I have, you know, I think I have this better understanding. Or I grew older. Maybe age. I have a different look. Yeah. I've aged. I think I've... age. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes, um, oh my gosh, I, we're already the old people. Sometimes we mm-hmm. think of like when people, when old people say like, when you're older, you will understand. Like, <laughs> I understand it. But when you're kind of older, like, Oh yeah, That's I true. understand it now. Like, even when we're watching films or making films, age really helps. So like, yeah. I don't know. In as much as it's kind of like physically, it's not the most exciting thing to age because you're gonna deteriorate mm. slowly. But I think experience-wise, it's an exciting thing. Yeah, I don't know. I would probably regret this when I reach thirty. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> but we'll see we'll see we'll see let's just end 2020 first and let's talk about like next year next year <laughs> yeah months later <laughs> oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> alright so that's the year in film 1990 we're closing another chapter of the Oscars we're going backwards, so we're going to start next season with 1989. <laughs> so, let's close this year. Now, we're going to ask you, do you think Journey of Hope is a worthy winner of this category? Mm. I think that choice is a product of its time. But now, I don't think it's a worthy winner. I'm sorry. But it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> um, For me... I think it's worthy because uh, like a standalone. Mm. I think it's worthy because at least um, it gives a human side to this story and mm. it's effective in doing that. I mean, now we are looking for more complexities about that experience, but mm. um, for me, as long as the film is not bad, it's fine. So it's <laughs> worthy. Um... <laughs> I really hope more people would watch this uh, film, Journey of Hope. I think they did a restoration recently. I don't know. Because it can show you a comparison of like where we were before and where are we still now. Yeah. And sadly, things haven't really changed that much. Um, there is still the need for people to move to other countries just for opportunities and it's it's I guess it's a time capsule um, of the 1990 but um, for what it's worth uh, it's fine I guess mm. yeah so since you've seen the five yay we're gonna do like a lightning round let's rank the films from five to one what's your number five my number five but I'm quite unfair. I can't remember much of Open Doors. So maybe that's it, Open Doors. But I'll have to rewatch it. And, you know, can I not include Open Doors in the top five? I'll just do a top 
No, no, included. Okay. Top five open doors, but just because I can't remember much of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna open my rankings because I haven't touched this for weeks. My okay. number five is Cyrano de Bergerac. Ooh. What's your number four? Number four is Cyrano de Bergerac. My number four is Open Doors. What's oh. your number three? My number three is Journey of Hope. My number three. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna switch right now. Go, go. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Well, what you originally wrote. No, I'm gonna do it. My number three is Judo. Oh. What's your number two and number one? My number two is Judo. My first is Nasty Girl. My number two is Journey of Hope. And number one is The Nasty Girl. Yes! Yes! Nasty girl. Yeah, nasty girls rule. So uh, yeah, it's another like promotion. Like if you can seek out the nasty girl, please do. It's a really, it's a really great one. Uh, yeah. So so, so 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 to end this year on a very positive note because we've struggled to find some light for this year. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, in the season finale, season three finale, and the final episode of 2020. Um, this has been such a year. Um, the film, this podcast started in 2020, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, and we're ending 2020, and we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, there's still a long way to go, and I really hope things get better as we welcome 2021. But I'm so happy to have you on this final episode of 2020 thank you so much for coming thank you so much for having me here and please guys support this patreon page <laughs> so thank we can you. start making content i love this content <laughs> yes oh my gosh and if you're gonna support if you're listening if you're gonna support more i, I promise i promise <laughs> more content not just the winners <laughs> really because oh my gosh i'm so happy that to do the, the first bonus episode is an interview with the filmmaker. Oh my gosh, that's... You should do more of those. Like more, also more local films. If Because you have a lot of international listeners, right? <laughs> Maybe listeners, they're interested. Yes. They're interested in Filipino films. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I was thinking of like reviewing more films that were... um, You know, not... Did not win or did not even get nominated. But yeah. I'm also thinking like... I also I don't the first uh episode which was the interview with Glenn with Cleaners was just it's a really great start and that's not a start that I was expecting and I'm like let's talk to more so yeah it's just um exciting things ahead hopefully in 2021 so again can you tell our listeners where can they find you and your work so yeah you can find me you can find some of my works in YouTube and BBC already. And please, uh, uh, like the, please hit the like button on our cleaners page on Facebook, <laughs> so you may watch out for our future screenings. Yay! Yay! And uh, yeah, like like with the cleaners, uh, episode that was released um May twenty, I uh, mean <laughs> November twenty two. 
Um, yeah, please support the cleaners in Facebook and Twitter because it's a really special film, and I really hope it gets to more audiences all over the world because it is really a, a special film and um, a true independent voice <laughs> in Philippine cinema. That's just what I would say. And I'm happy to be able to contribute um, in a small way by um, translating and um, making yes. the one-inch barrier for that film. <laughs> very, very good translation. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Thank the you. essence of the language. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I already told Glenn, like, Glenn, it was really hard to translate Kupal. <laughs> Those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, or support. Oh no, support. That was really hard to translate. Support. What's your translation for that? Um, it's really hard to. Uh, I think I translated uh, support to skin wink, because that's mm. the only translation I could find for like an insult for someone who's uncircumcised. Because in other countries, being uncircumcised is like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that and yeah. I, yeah, I know it. Oh, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Carlos Ohana. You can find this podcast at One Inch Barrier. This podcast is everywhere in all streaming platforms. Again, Patreon page, please, please, please. Um, again, I'm wishing you well. I hope you have a happy, ha- happy holidays. <laughs> happy holidays to everyone. I hope you had. Um, you're still staying. Um, staying this 2020 and I hope to see you all in 2021 as we welcome a new chapter for this podcast so this is a goodbye for now Um, happy holidays happy new year Uh, see you next time because together we will break this one inch barrier <laughs>